All right. Well, most of you know that a couple of weeks ago we began looking at these uh, final verses of Hebrews here in chapter 13. And as I've mentioned uh, the last couple of weeks, these are just kind of short uh, thoughts that are given, kind of these little bullet points that are made, so to speak. So in verse number one, the writer said to let brotherly love continue. And the basic idea was this, that you need to continue to work on loving each other and to continue working at liking each other. And sometimes that does require work, does it not? Even in the family of God, you have to work at loving and liking people because there are so many differences in personalities. There are so many differences in backgrounds and perspectives and so many things that can lead to friction sometimes. But yet, in the midst of that, in the family of God, there needs to be a brotherly love that continues. And then last week, we watched, as the writer said, be not forgetful to entertain strangers, which basically meant do, do not neglect this uh, hospitality, even of strangers. He said, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. And I talked about last week how whenever it comes to the subject of hospitality, you and I can find plenty of reasons for why we're not hospitable. There are always reasons available for not being hospitable to others, and yet we need to be hospitable. We need to be willing to uh, minister and to serve to others, even sometimes those that we don't know, because we have no idea who it may be that we are uh, being used to minister to and what the outcome of that or the, the ramifications of that could be. So that's what we've talked about the last couple of weeks. And so tonight we're going to be in verse number three. And as we are, uh, we'll get to, there, uh, to that in just a couple of moments. But tonight I want to share a story that I've probably mentioned at some point in, in 17 years. I don't know how it would have escaped not being talked about. But uh, just bear with me, okay? Okay. All right. A few of you will do that. The others of you, you're just going to endure. All right. 20 years ago, Susie was very pregnant with Nathan. All right. Nathan was our first child. And so as is usually the case with your first child, you're pretty excited. It's something you're looking forward to. It's something that you are anticipating. And so we were no different than any other young couple expecting our first child. And Back then, I, I think it's fairly common still today, but of course back then we knew it to, to be the case. They were going to induce Susie so as to take away some of the excitement and to take some of the, away some of the drama. So we knew exactly what day Nathan was going to be born. In fact, we were able to choose it, all right? So here we are the night before his birth, and we're very excited about all that's going to happen and all that's going to take place. And so Susie and I, to celebrate, we went out to our favorite restaurant there in Springfield, and we enjoyed a nice supper together. After supper, we went to Dairy Queen because that's our favorite place to get dessert, so we ordered a couple of blizzards for ourselves, and then we made our way home, and I broke out the old video camera. You remember those before the days of cell phones, right? Okay, so I broke out the video camera, and we began to interview each other. Now, I know this is a little cheesy. I know it's a little corny, but we were excited, all right? So we got out the video camera, and I began talking to her about what she was thinking and how she was feeling and what was going through her mind. And, you know, of course, everything related to the arrival of Nathan the next day. And, and so we have her on tape talking about how she's feeling and what she had for supper and what she's excited about. And then she turned the camera on me, and I was interviewed by her, and I answered some of the same silly questions, the same goofy questions. But again, we were excited, and we were thrilled. 
Well, that night, we were expecting my parents and her mom to come into town and uh, to be there at the hospital the next day whenever all that was going to unfold and transpire. And so I had the video camera rolling when my parents and her mom got there, and they opened the door, and we've got all this on video. It's raining. They're excited. They come in laughing like a couple of girls, and my dad, who's like, come on, ladies, move. And uh, he wasn't giggling like the girls. Anyways, uh, it's a little bit different by way of his emotions than the ladies. Anyways, so, so nonetheless, we've got that all on video. And the next day, we get up early, and we head to the hospital, and and I've got my video camera in hand, and I'm going to video as much of this as I want to. So we're talking to Susie, and we're talking to her throughout the labor experience. We're inter- not interviewing, really, but we're talking to the nurses as they come in. Everything's exciting. Everything's wonderful. And eventually, at some point that day, Nathan is born. Well, we're thankful that he's healthy. We're thankful that he's well. We're thankful that Susie did well throughout the delivery, and all is, has gone well for us. And so once the excitement begins to kind of to settle a little bit and things aren't quite as you know, intense as they were a little bit earlier, my mom and I went down to the cafeteria in the hospital to grab a bite to eat. And as we were sitting there, I don't know why this thought struck me, and I don't know why this thought got my attention, but I remember saying to my mom that evening as we were sitting there in the cafeteria of the hospital, I said, it's hard for me to remember that not everyone is happy to be here. You understand that? Not everyone is happy to be at a hospital. Because usually when people go to a hospital, there is sickness involved. Many times when people go to a hospital, there is disease involved. Many times when people go to a hospital, there is devastating news that is involved. And so a lot of people don't think of a hospital as an exciting place to be and some place you want to go. And so there I was in the cafeteria watching some people go by, and it was as though something clicked and something registered that said, you need to remember that not everyone is as happy as you are right now, and not everyone is enjoying life right now to the same extent as you. Now, I tell you that story to to try to get us to thinking about something, to try to, to, to make us go somewhere in our thought process. But before we get there, I want to say this, and I hope that you'll agree with this, whether you amen it or not, whether you nod your head or not, but I, I hope that we'll agree with this, that more times than not, we are not as great as we'd like to pretend we are. We're just not. You know, so it's, it's good and it's easy to come to church and, and to hear something said, maybe to hear something preached, to, to hear a Sunday school lesson taught. And, and, and in our heart and minds, we really want that to be true of us. But I think more times than not, if we're honest, we'd have to say, man, I don't measure up there. That's not exactly what I'm doing as well as I should be. And, and I still struggle with this. And, 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 and I'm not as, as great in this particular area as I know that I ought to be. I wish I was, but I'm just not. And, and I say that to say this. If we are honest, here is what I think many of us struggle with. And that is this. Remembering people outside of our own set of circumstances. Would you agree with that? 
that sometimes we get so wrapped up in our own set of circumstances, we get so wrapped up in our own situations that we forget that other people are going through other things and other people are dealing with other things. And, and, and sometimes, if we're not careful, we would have to admit this, that sometimes we have a very small world with a very limited perspective throughout much of our daily lives. Is that fair to say? That if it's not going on right here in my little world, then I'm somewhat oblivious to it. So if it's not right here in front of me, involving people that I know, that I love, that I care about, if it's not happening right here, if it's happening somewhere out here or somewhere over here, well, I'm completely mindless of it. I think if we're honest, many times we would have to admit we're not as thoughtful and as mindful of other people as we ought to be. Now, you may say, nope, 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 I've got that one. You can't nail me on that one. Lord bless you. I'm just going to say to you right now, I needed the reminder of this passage this week. And I believe there's at least one other person who needs it, or I wouldn't need to preach it tonight, okay? All right, so with that as kind of the background, I want us to look in verse number 3. Here's what the writer said. He said, remember them that are in bonds. Remember them that are in bonds. What does it mean whenever the writer speaks of those who are in bonds? Well, it is a reference to someone who would be imprisoned or someone who was in shackles, okay? This would be someone who was in the custody by way of imprisonment, by way of bondage, however you'd like to describe it. He said, remember them that are in bonds. Now, now think about that statement for just a moment, okay? A couple of things are indicated. First of all, this is pretty obvious. There were some people who were in prison, and there were some people who were not. Right? <laughs> Remember them that are in bonds. He apparently is writing to some people who were not in bonds in relation to some who were in bonds. He did not say how many were in bonds. And if you think about the statement, if you just consider it very quickly, here's what you realize. You realize that he didn't even state why they were in bonds. He just said, remember them that are in bonds. But the idea seems to be that the reason some were in these bonds, the reason that they were imprisoned, is because it had something to do with unjust persecution or unjust imprisonment. Because generally, when someone deserves to be imprisoned, they're not someone who really deserves a lot of prayer on their behalf, or a lot of thought, or a lot of remembrance. Okay, and if you don't agree with that, I apologize. I'm just saying, you know, if someone deserves to be there, they kind of deserve to be there. So in their day where, where things of that nature would take place, some religious persecution would take place, it was not completely uncommon for some, because of their faith, to be imprisoned, to be in bonds, to be in shackles. And so the writer simply says this, remember them that are in bonds. So it's fairly clear, be mindful of them, don't forget about them. Now as you think about that, I also want us to think about this. Sometimes, I don't know if you've ever done this, but sometimes we are guilty of trying to figure out why certain situations are the way that they are. 
Have you ever been there? Why are they in bonds? What did they do to deserve this? What has brought this about? What did they do? And I want to remind us that sometimes it is not the fault of the person that they are in bonds, and it is not because of the works or the actions of other people at times that they are not in bonds. Sometimes it's just the way God allows it to be. Okay? It's not that this person must have done something wrong, and this person did something terrible, this person did something sinful, and that is why they are in bonds and God is judging them, and it's because I'm so good that I'm not in bonds. That's not at all the case. Sometimes God just allows people to experience things that other people do not experience, but he said, remember them, be mindful of them, don't forget them that are in bonds as bound with them. So what does it mean to be as bound with them? It's basically saying this. You need to put yourself in their position. You need to remember them. You need to be mindful of them as though it were you who was going through it. So what is he encouraging? He is encouraging some sympathy and some empathy on behalf of those who were going through this affliction or this difficult time of being in bonds or being in prison. You need to be sympathetic as though it were you who was going through it. I'll say more about this in just a moment, but let's just pause here for a second and say this. Sometimes sympathy is not our strongest suit in the Christian life. Because, again, if it's not happening to us, we're not really mindful of it. If it's not affecting me, if it's not affecting my family, if it's not affecting my immediate circle, those that I come into contact with, that is not then what I am worried about. But the writer is saying, now listen, don't forget these people. Don't neglect them. You need to be mindful of those who are in bonds as though it were you who was dealing with this and struggling with this and going through it. So he then goes on to say this, and them would suffer adversity. And them would suffer adversity. What does it mean to suffer adversity? Well, again, it means to go through the difficult times, but it means to be tormented or treated in a cruel fashion. Maybe not necessarily imprisonment, maybe not necessarily the bonds, but it is someone who has been tormented or they are treated in a fashion that is cruel. And he said that you need to remember them as being yourselves also in the body. Here is what you need to do. You need to put yourself in their position. You can't afford to lose sight of the fact that there are other people out there who are mistreated, who are tormented, who are treated in a cruel fashion. You cannot afford to lose sight of that. You need to be mindful of them. There are people out there who are in bonds. They are in prison. They are bound in their shackles. They have lost their freedom for whatever reasons. Probably, most likely, in their day, the religious persecution. And then there are others who are mistreated. They are tormented. They are treated cruelly. And here is what you need to do. You need to remember them. 
You need to. It's hard to do, isn't it? It's hard to do. Well, why is it hard to do? Well, for this reason, in part, because life is pretty good for us. Can we just, you know, just just get, I don't know how to say this, just cut through the fat, so to speak, and just get to the meat, all right? Life's pretty good for us. We don't have a whole lot to be too upset about, right? Well, you don't understand. Uh, we, we might want to pause the drama for just a moment, okay? We've got it pretty good. You and I, we got up this morning... We got ready for church and we came to the house of God and we did so without once ever thinking about any form of persecution or imprisonment or anything of that nature taking place today. You and I, we are so well taken care of that in the morning we'll get up, we'll do whatever we want to do, we'll begin our day however we want to begin our day, we'll go to work, and, and, and life is really going to be pretty good and pretty easy, comparatively speaking, to so many others that live on this earth right now. We've got it pretty good. You know, if you were to look at so many of the things that we concern ourselves with, most of the world wouldn't even know how to concern themselves with those things because they don't even begin to understand what it's like to have those things to then worry about not having those things and what it is we get all worked up about sometimes. We don't need to get... uh, I don't know. We've got it easy. I'll just say it like that. We've got it easy. And I would say it like this. We're pretty soft, aren't we? Nah, you know, I'm not soft. Yes, we are. We are soft when it comes to Christianity. Have you ever noticed what kind of works us up sometimes by way of Christianity and, and, and whether or not we feel like we're well-received or we're treated correctly. Have you ever noticed that, that sometimes we think it's a big deal if somebody's kind of rude to us because of our Christian life? They were rude. Well, poor baby. They was mean to you. I'm so sorry. Let's be honest. Do you want your coloring sheet? I mean, is that what we need? And that, Listen, we don't like to admit it, but that's almost where we're at in modern-day Christianity here in America. You know, I mean, if there's any resistance, if there are any afflictions, if there are any hard times, I mean, it's amazing what, what little is required to discourage us, to defeat us, to, to feel as though we're being mistreated, to, be as, to feel as though we're, we're being, you know, persecuted. We don't know the first thing about persecution. We don't know the first thing of, of, of what it means for it to actually cost us to be a Christian. And that's not because we're so great and we're so wonderful. 
but it's because of whatever reason, God's goodness on our lives or on our part and, and in our lives that we get to enjoy what we're able to enjoy. But here is what I would say to you, because I know it needs to be said to me, and that is this, is that I need to be reminded that not everyone has it as good as us, and I need to remember those who are not as blessed as I am and as we are, and I need to be much more mindful of them than I am on a regular basis. Yes, Brother Kyle, I, I know that. I am fully aware of that. I, I don't know that we are. I'm not saying you're not. I'm just saying I don't know that we are. I, I'm just going to pose a couple of questions to you tonight and just going to ask you if this is something you thought about, okay? And, and you say, Brother Kyle, you act like you're struggling tonight. I don't know why. Just, I, just, I, I know I failed in this, and I don't like it, all right? I want to ask you, though, this morning as we were getting ready for church, did it cross our minds that there are people in other places of the world right now who are persecuted because they want to serve the Lord? We're not talking about somebody laughed at them and made fun of them. Somebody said, oh, you're one of those Christian people, huh? Okay, we're not talking about that kind of persecution. I'm talking about legitimate, honest, sincere, genuine persecution. Have we remembered that lately? That there are people out there, and for them to identify with Christ, it is literally taking their life in danger. It is risking their life to identify with Christ, to break away from whatever the, the tradition of, of their land is, whatever the religion of their land is. We need to remember that there are people who are persecuted on a regular basis because of their faith. Has it occurred to us lately? That there are secret churches, what are sometimes referred to as underground churches, because they're not able to meet publicly and enjoy what we enjoy today? Have we thought about it? I mean, think about this, okay? Last Sunday night, after I visited with the men and talked to you, the church, and, and spoke of how we were going to try to be a blessing to our missionaries, I wanted to email all of them. But, but you know, I, I know we've got missionaries there, but I don't think about it. But I sat down to send them all an email, and, and the Lord reminded me that some of our missionaries are in places where the government can read their emails, and I know government can read ours, but what I'm saying is this, is they're looking for certain words, and they're looking for certain phrases, and, and, and the missionaries have asked, please don't put our names on your church's website because of what that can do to us. Please don't put any of our prayer letters on your church's website because of how that can come back on us. And I'm sitting there trying to write an email to missionaries in code because we've got missionaries in lands where if the government intercepted the email, they would know that these are missionaries trying to do the work of the gospel in the land, and it could literally cost our missionaries their freedom. 
Have we thought that we are supporting missionaries in lands where if it was just public knowledge that this is what they're doing, that it could cost our missionaries their freedom or their lives? I don't think about that like I should. I just get up, get ready for church, throw on the old suit and tie, head this way, and I expect everyone else to be in their place because we ought to be as easy as it is. Get a little upset if people aren't in their place and the flimsy excuses we use to keep us out of the house of God. And I lose sight of the fact that there are some who, who just to meet in a private, secretive manner, they're taking a risk. I lose sight of that. Just like I lose, just like 20 years ago, I lost sight of the fact that not everyone's happy to be at a hospital. Why did I lose sight of it? Because it's good for me. So my circumstances keep me from remembering that other people are going through hard times. People are being persecuted. People are in prison. People are, are mistreated. They are treated in a cruel fashion. It happens. It's not easy to be a Christian in other parts of the world. And I don't remember it like I ought. I don't remember them that are in bonds. And I don't remember them which suffer adversity as I should. See, here's what I have a hard time doing. I have a hard time, like the Scripture says, putting myself in their position because I've never had to experience that. But let me ask you something. If we would put ourselves in their position, if we would do our best to try to understand what it must be like for them, do you think it would change us any? If we really thought about it and tried to imagine what it would be like? Try to imagine if tonight you were anxious if people knew you had been in a place called church where the Word of God was present and where somebody tried to preach the Word. Friends, it would change us. If you could not speak of your faith whatsoever without fear of being arrested, it would change us. Again, we don't realize how soft we are. We just print up cards and we print up invite things and we go out on visitation and we just knock on doors and, and we can leave a track any place we want and, and, and post anything we want. We have the freedom to do such. And again, it's just not that way in other places. I need to remember those who are in bonds. I need to remember those who are suffering adversity. I need to stop living in my circumstances alone and remember that there is a much bigger world out there that deserves some of my attention 
in the spiritual realm of things. So if I remember them that are in bonds, if I remember them that suffer adversity, I wonder what I should do. Should I just say, well, life stinks for y'all. I, I wish it was better. Well, of course not. If I'm going to remember them that are in bonds, if I'm going to remember them that are suffering this adversity, this affliction, this persecution, what is about the only thing I can do for them, realistically? Pray for them. I can't do much, but I can pray for them. You know what bothers me about this message more than anything? I know this doesn't really relate to you, but, but what bothers me about this message is this is there was a time that I tried to be very mindful of the persecuted believers in other parts of the world. That was something I tried to pray about on a regular basis. It was something that I tried to give attention to on a regular basis. It was something that I wanted to be aware of. But you know what bothers me? So much trivial junk pushed that out of my mind to where I no longer remembered them like I should. And some of the stuff that I'm now mindful of, I really want to say in comparison to this, I'm worried about this. I'm praying about this. These people are praying to just stay alive. These people are praying to just not be in prison. They're praying that, that whoever has already been in prison will be let go. I, I'm praying about this, and this is what's going on. My goodness, what does that say about me? Can you identify with this at all, or am I just the lonely jerk up here? I can't do much, but I can pray for them. And I probably, to an extent, ought to pray for them the way I would want people to pray for me if I was the one who was in bonds. I mean, think about this. If I was in bonds, or if you were in bonds, would you want people to just kind of casually reference my name in passing every third or fourth week whenever they decided to sit down at the supper table and it passed through their minds to, oh yes, and Lord bless the missionaries and all the Christians across the land. I mean, is that how you'd want to be prayed for? Okay, I'm more selfish than that, okay? You don't have to admit it. I'm just saying I'm more selfish than that. You know what I'd want? I would want some honest, sincere prayers brought before God on my behalf. There is nothing wrong with us praying for believers that we have never met living in a foreign land because it is real out there and they deserve our prayer. But again, we're not too good at sympathy so many times. And again, so many times, we're so wrapped up in foo-foo stuff that doesn't matter. And that says so much about us in our spiritual lives. I can't do much, but I can pray for them. And I can't do much, but if I ever have a chance to be a help to them... I ought to try to do everything I can to be a help to them. 
Does that make sense? Okay, I know it makes sense, but are we grasping this? I should be doing everything I can to aid them if the opportunity presents itself. But again, so many times we're so selfish. Oh, they're struggling, and I hate that for them. They're going through hard times, and I hate that for them. We'd like to, but we just can't. No, it's not that we can't. It's because our priorities are so messed up that more times than not, it's not that we can't, it's just that we don't want to because we'd have to change something we're doing to be mindful of someone else out there who is struggling and who is hurting. Who is going through a difficult time. I need to remember that there are people out there who are suffering because they're identifying with Christ. I need to remember that there are people out there who are being persecuted. They are being cast into prison. There are people who are beaten. There are people who have their lives taken. There are countries over there that don't know about Miranda rights. They don't know about appeals in the court system. They don't care about any of that stuff. They've got a manner in which they operate, and they're going to exercise it however they want, and they're not overly friendly to the Christians in their nation. We need to remember that. And what we can do, we need to be doing. To be praying for them, to be praying for them more earnestly, to be praying for them more sincerely. Trying to identify with them as best we can. If we have a chance to aid, though it seems impossible, we need to be willing to do whatever we can to be that source of aid, to be that source of help. And in all of this, again, it, I don't know about you, but it challenges me. Stop being so soft in your own personal life. And I'm saying that to myself. Stop being so soft. Who cares about this when this is going on? Why does this matter whenever I know that this is what's taking place? Stop acting like I've got it so hard whenever I've got it so, so easy. Just ask you to be honest this evening. Because of how good we've got it, have we ever let our good circumstances keep us from remembering that not everyone has it as good as us? It's happened. And if we're not careful, we'll be reminded of it tonight and we'll say, oh, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, boy, I got to work on that. And you know what? If, listen, if you're not careful, you'll do exactly what I've done and you'll pray for them for a while, you'll care about it for a while, and then your world's going to get smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller, and then pretty soon you'll forget all about them again. We just need to be mindful that there are some people out there that deserve our prayer that deserve our concern, that deserve us remembering them and doing what we can to help them. Because it's real. So I just encourage us to think about it. So that's not a real exciting passage or a real exciting message. I'm sorry. We need it. We need it. I hope that we'll take heed to what's been said. So let's all stand tonight and bow our heads for a word of prayer. Fathers, I come to you this evening. I pray that you'd help us. 
Lord, to remember those that are in bonds and those that are suffering the adversity. Lord, I can think of our missionaries right now. Lord, they're in what is called closed fields. They are in those areas where their identities can't really be revealed. And if I'm not careful, I can so flippantly say their names and not think about the danger that they are in, the danger that their children are in. Lord, I just say it and move on and don't even really think about it. Lord, if I'm not careful, I can think about the people that they're trying to minister to and not think about how, how big of a deal it was for them to have assembled in the last 24 hours and the risk that some of them were taking. And so, God, I pray that you'd help me, and I pray that you'd help us as a church to be more sympathetic, that you'd help us to be more mindful of what others are going through. And, God, I pray that you'd help us to be reminded that so much of what we care about really has no importance or significance at all. I just pray that you'd help us to be reminded of what we know but we lose sight of. I pray these things now in Jesus' name. Amen.